With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. One semester of law school. One semester of criminal justice. Two experts. I'm Kristen Caruso. I'm Brandi Egan. Let's go to court. On this episode, I'll talk about police officer Daniel Holtzclaw. And I'll be talking about a shocking medical diagnosis. Hey, Brandy. Hey. (laughs) How's it going? Oh, I'm great. Um, Are you? (laughs) Yeah, I've got a question for you, though. What's worse than hearing about Daniel Holtzclaw? Um, Hearing about him for the second fucking time. (laughs) Why? Whatever could you mean? Oh, uh, this is episode 126, take two, electric boogaloo. <laughs> yeah. Okay, guys, here's here's the truth. My case is terrible this week. It was it horrible. fucking We sucks. hated it. We hated it. Yeah. Uh, we recorded it on our usual time. Yeah. Um, and we just, like, we white-knuckled through the thing. We did, and then when we were done, we are like, oh, my gosh, thank God that's over. That was terrible. <laughs> Turns out. Brandy's side was not recording, so it was just me talking about Daniel Holtzclaw to myself. It was terrible. So here we are. It's an after dark episode. And we're hitting again. Are you okay? I'm fine. You're you're really not looking forward to it. I'm so not. Yeah. It's okay uh, though. We're here. It's fine. It's great. And I'd love to hear about this. <laughs> Hey, how do we plug ourselves? I mean, we... Tampons? Oh, God! <laughs> I don't know! What kind of weird question was that? Plug? You know, give ourselves a plug? Like a Patreon plug? My God, what? <laughs> that was horrifying! That wasn't even a joke, was it? You thought I was saying something weird? Anyway, guys, if you can't get enough of this, and, you know, who could blame you? We're on Patreon. <laughs> At the $5 level, you get access to a monthly bonus episode. You get into the Discord where you can chat with us, hear precious gems like that one. And then at the $7 level, you get all that plus a monthly bonus video. You get a sticker. A sticker. You can put it wherever you want. Where the sun don't shine? Like what? Well, who are we to judge? (laughs) Their sticker. That sticker where the sun don't shine. And you get inducted on this very podcast. Brandy, what's wrong with you? Ankle swelling back up over here. Okay, guys. Brandy is about to have this baby any second. For real. I, I iced this ankle earlier today because it got very large and in charge. (laughs) Now I'm hot, uh-huh. and so it's getting it's getting big again. <laughs> I so that was that's kind of been the other crazy thing about our first take being yeah. terrible is like we scheduled this for like a Sunday night. Like okay, yeah. well let's retake it, knowing full well that you might go into labor any minute. Any, minute. any minute. What if you faked going into labor so, so you I didn't have, have to hear about the whole school again? <laughs> You guys, if you don't know who Daniel Holtzclaw is, um, yeah. buckle Here's up and I'm sorry. Here's how bad Daniel Holtzclaw is. Okay. When you text me 
mm-hmm. dibs on this case. Mm-hmm. I said, have fun with that douche canoe. And then I immediately changed cases that I was doing because I was yep. going to do a dark murder. And I was like, nope. People can't handle There's it. There's no too can't much. Do that. Too much. <laughs> uh, and okay, the other funny thing is, in our first take, I drug my heels for 14 yes. minutes before I got it started. We're we're tracking into about five minutes right now, so yeah. I think I'm doing a lot better this time. Yes, it's it's a band aid. We're gonna rip it off. Should we talk about who's here with us tonight? Who's here with us? Who's this strange man? Who's that hottie over there? You want to say hi, David? Hi, David. Stop uh, it. <laughs> David is sitting in with us tonight. Um, we couldn't risk having to do this a third time. <laughs> so he's listening to make sure everything goes good. <laughs> uh, thanks for being here, David. You're very welcome. Are you actually paying attention or are you playing a game on your phone? Yes. Okay. Who could who could blame him for being like, we told him. We did tell him. What Daniel Holtz yeah. has done. And he was like, oh, yeah, he's great. Like, oh, great. Let me sit and listen to that. Yeah. Sorry. Looking forward to it. <laughs> okay, let's get right let's into business jump, here. jump on in. Okay, first off, a big thank you to the police who inspired me to do this case. Oh, Kristen. <laughs> <laughs> that was sarcasm because the police have been awful. <laughs> oh, no. Hey, do you have a cocktail over there? No, I don't. Why not? Well, Just, were you trying to be nice to me? Yeah. Oh, you could have one. I feel like if anything warrants a cocktail, it's this case. Oh, gosh. Then I'll just cry. <laughs> also, Norm had his little, you know, bro party yesterday, yeah. and I I had some drinks. Hey. I've hit my quota. <laughs> <laughs> so, first of all, big shout-outs to Jessica Testa for her BuzzFeed article. I'm not going to read you the whole title just because it gives some stuff away. Also, very helpful... The 2020 episode, What the Dash Cam Never Saw. <gasps> Ooh. Those clever titles at 2020. Also, um, someone uploaded the entire interrogation video to YouTube. Big thank you for that. Okay. Here we go. So, just a big warning to everyone right off the top, even though this is your second time hearing, but, you know, here we go. Uh, this story is awful. It's very graphic. It's about an Oklahoma City police officer who used his position as a police officer to rape and terrorize vulnerable black women. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. Tell me more. Please. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he got away with this God knows how many times before he was finally held accountable. Here we go. Daniel Holtzclaw grew up in Enid, Oklahoma, which is a booming metropolis of about 50,000 people. Roughly yes, giant city. Huge, pretty big city. <laughs> Roughly 70 miles north of Oklahoma City. This part is very important, so I want you to really pay attention, okay? In high school, he excelled in football, Brandy. Excellent. That's, yes. Giving him a little bit of the Brock Turner treatment here, <laughs> I see. Okay, I have to tell you something. Huh. So... On Wednesday, when we recorded yeah. this, I started talking about his football stuff. Yes. And you were like, ew, what are you doing? Stop talking about that. Yeah. You're giving him the Brock Turner treatment. I had it planned to go back to it. And I was like, no, 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 just stick with me. Yeah. I had planned to say something at the end. Then I forgot to say it. <laughs> and so, like, this whole time until we realized that the audio was fucked, yeah. I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. There's nothing we can do. Yeah. You know? But I just... 
Well, I'll save it. And, well, no, I, I, I can't save can't it. Can't risk it, Kristen. Yeah, okay. After this whole thing went down, there was this very long profile of Daniel Holtzclaw in like some SB Nation. I assume it's a sports thing. Uh-huh. Obviously, yeah. I'm not. Yes. That's a that's a sports thing. Yes. Yeah, don't give me that face. <laughs> so, the article that was written was like super creepy, super sympathetic to oh. him about how like, oh, he didn't make it into the NFL and so, you know, oh. he wasn't racist or anything. He just blah, 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 blah. Um, they ended up retracting the article and they no longer post investigative articles anymore. Uh-huh. So anyway, yeah. Um, yeah, glad I'm getting that out there. Woo. So he played football in high school and 2020 called him a football hero. Which is not a thing. I don't think that's a thing. No. I, I, uh, well, I mean, it is a it thing. It is in Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> he earned the nickname The Claw. He was a line. So clever. He was a linebacker, Brandy. Which means what, Kristen? Means that he did an excellent job backing the line. <laughs> and you need that because you gotta make sure your lines are okay. <laughs> then he went to college at Eastern Michigan University, and he became a linebacker on their football team. And he was named an All-American. Which Which means what? (laughs) Best rapist? I don't know. (laughs) What does that mean? It's like a, you know, like the best of the best in in America. Uh, For sports For sports, for football, specifically. These are the things I don't know. Okay. (laughs) Uh, But you know, college isn't just about sports, Brandy. Yes. While he was at Eastern Michigan, he also studied criminal justice. Went to all the semesters. I don't mean to rub it in. Yes. <laughs> because he loved justice. Then in 2010, he graduated college and he was like, I'm ready for the NFL. Put me in, coach. And the NFL was like, no thanks. No thanks. You got plenty of rapists. Her for pass. <laughs> <laughs> what was he to do? I know you're feeling really sorry for him right feel, now. I don't feel sorry for him one bit. Oh, but he didn't make it into the NFL. No, I'm not upset at all. He was an all-American douche. Yeah. <laughs> well, he had his degree in criminal justice, and his dad had been a lieutenant with the Enid Police Department, and Daniel was very interested in protecting and serving his community. Mm. So he joined the Oklahoma City Police Department. Mm-hmm. And he became a patrolman. I'm sorry, your eyes. like the, It's like the life is being drained out of you. Sucked it out of me, Kristen. I'm sorry. <laughs> he became a patrolman, and he did bodybuilding in his spare time. Same. <laughs> I'm currently working on an intense bodybuilding program. Oh, God. Get it? Do you get it? Guys, do you get it? Do you get it? Because she's got a baby. Like building a baby. David doesn't David. get it. I David don't get did. it. Yeah, <laughs> he's gonna. Two hours from now, he's gonna crack up. Oh, I get it now. <laughs> Years went by. Then, on June eighteenth, twenty fourteen, at two a.m., a fifty-seven-year-old grandmother and daycare owner named Janie Liggins was driving home from playing bingo with her friends. Okay, so I think it's the Wikipedia entry says that Janie was passing through an impoverished area of town. Uh I don't know that area well, but, you know, that's what they say. So she's passing through this area, and so was Daniel Holtzclaw. Daniel had just gotten off his shift, 
but he was still driving his cop car and still in uniform. There Janie was, driving down the road, it's pitch black out, when all of a sudden this cop car throws its lights on. So she pulls over, and this cop comes up, and he said, I pulled you over because you were swerving. And she said, no, I wasn't swerving. And he was like, what do you have in your cup there? That's alcohol. And she was like, no, sir, that's Kool-Aid. And so he kind of like harasses her about this. And at some point she's like, look, you can taste it if you want. It's Uh Kool-Aid. At that point, he told her to get out of the car. And so she did. He took her to his patrol car. And he's like, why are you nervous? And she said, I'm not. He patted her down all over and asked if she had anything illegal on her. She said, no, sir. He said, you better let me know. If you do, I'm going to take you to jail. But she didn't have anything on her. She was truly just like a grandma leaving a bingo game. Yeah. He ordered her to sit in the back of the police car, and he searched her car. Again, the dude didn't find anything because there was nothing Nothing to to find. find. Yeah. He came back to the patrol car, opened the back door, and said... How do I know you don't have anything in your bra? And then he forced her to expose herself to him while he touched himself. Ugh. Janie was terrified. She was certain that she was going to die. They were alone at night. He was a police officer, and she was a black woman. All she could think was, oh my God, he's going to kill me. She could not stop staring at his gun. Then he unzipped his pants and was like, come on. Ugh. I know. Ugh. So, of course, by this point, she is so scared. She said, no, sir, you're not supposed to do this. You're not supposed to do this, sir. She said, don't make me do this. No, sir, don't make me do this. You're going to shoot me. That's terrible. Because she, you know, she legitimately thought that she was, he was going to shoot her. Absolutely. I think the other thing that makes me sad, and we didn't talk about this this week, is like, the sirs like yeah. she she is being she is being as polite as yeah. possible because she has to be yeah she's doing anything she can to survive so Janie was certain that she was about to be murdered so she said it again sir please don't make me do this don't make me do this you're going to shoot me and he said i'm not going to shoot you i promise and she said you promise and then he laughed at her Mm. And he, of course, sexually assaulted her. Of course. When it was over, she thought for certain that he would shoot her in the back as she walked to her car. How terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly how you think, like, well, this is the end for me. This is it, yeah. I'm going to be sexually assaulted, and this guy's going to shoot me, and he's going to get away with everything because he's a police officer. She wasn't sure what to do or say. The only thing she could think to say in that moment was, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir, for not taking me to jail. I hate that so much. Why? Because she's just been sexually assaulted. She has feared for her life. She's been put through something horrible. Mm -hmm. And she, I'm sure, legitimately is thankful to be leaving with her life. Yeah. Yeah. How awful. How fucking terrible. But at that point, she's just grateful to be alive. Yeah. 
And I'm sure saying what, you know, whatever you got to say to get out of there alive, you say it. Yes. So then she gets into her car, drives off, and he followed her for a while. <laughs> then he sped off. In an interview, Janie later said, he let me live to tell the story. Big, big mistake. Janie was sobbing. She drove to her daughter's house and woke her up and immediately told her daughter what happened. And her daughter flipped out, as you would. So she's like, this is not okay. She got her kids up, she got her boyfriend up, they all got dressed and they piled into her car and drove to the Spring Lake Police Division. But no one was there. The lights were all off. They started to drive off. But then they spotted two cop cars parked next to each other. Is it after hours at the police station? (laughs) Well, all crimes stop at about 9 p.m., Brandy. We all know that. (laughs) So it looked like the officers were talking. So they turned around and went back to those officers. And Janie told the officers what had happened to her. And they were like, uh, holy shit. Yeah. They called their captain. And the captain came out and took down a report. That afternoon... Officer Dipshit, as I like to call him, was reporting for duty. (laughs) He was scheduled to work the 4 p.m. to 2 a.m. shift. But two detectives, Kim Davis and Rocky Gregory, a.k.a. Benson and Stabler, uh, except not really, um, (laughs) and you'll see why later, (laughs) of the sex crime unit, were like, Hey, hey, Daniel, uh, why don't you come chat with us? Brandy. Because there is a God in heaven, the entire interrogation tape, including the four minutes before he waves his Miranda rights, is available on YouTube. So you're telling me that last week, the uh-huh. sweet baby Jesus delivered a case directly to my life. That's and right. this week, the sweet baby Jesus gave you this interrogation <laughs> video. <laughs> Clearly, Jesus is very busy working on this podcast uh, yeah. right here. <laughs> Which, baby Jesus, we appreciate the help, but if you could also help in other world affairs. Oh my goodness, please. Holy shit. Okay. If I may offer a compliment to Detective Rocky Gregory. He did an excellent job starting off super cash. Oh, good. He was like, welcome to our domain. (laughs) What's your name again? You got a piss or anything? (laughs) It's super weird. It's super weird. And Daniel's like, oh. I can hold it. <laughs> that's, that's my impression. You guys missed out on a great impression. It's just shoulders back and like arms kind of so big you can't really put them at your sides and also really dumb and rapey. So you get the vibe. You get the vibe. I did get a very rapey vibe from you there. <laughs> Thank you. So Daniel, you know, he's like, I can hold it. And he like looks around this little room. Remember, he's huge. He's this bodybuilder, former NFL hopeful, but, you know, the NFL said no thanks, and, you know, that turned him into a serial rapist, according to SB Nation. So he's huge. He has one of those necks that is somehow the exact it's width. Just like, it's, it's just, just like, like neck head. Yeah, that's exactly right. It goes yeah. straight to the ears. Yeah. He looks like he was poured into his uniform, and he looks at this little chair, And he looks at it like he's never seen a chair before. (laughs) He's not totally sure how to work it. And the detective's like, take your seat, man. And so he does. Detective Kim Davis, also super cash. Mm -hmm. She pops in the room. She's like, tee-hee, no chair for me. 
And then she practically like skips out of the room to get herself a chair. And she talks all about how she had back surgery about a year ago. And she just has to have the right kind of chair, you know? You need that lumbar support. Gotta have the lumbar. At this point, your boy, Daniel. Don't call him my boy, Daniel. Nobody's boy, Daniel. Thank you. (laughs) Admits to being a little embarrassed by this whole thing. Oh, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Brandy. Brandy. He's, like, totally innocent. This is just crazy. And, like, he shows up to work, and all of a sudden he's being questioned. People are going to start whispering. Imagine. Imagine. And Kim's like, oh, there are rumors floating around. But, you know, once the two of us talk, it'll put those rumors to rest. You okay? I thought I had to sneeze, but I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Why didn't you do your trick? Your nose trick? I don't want to have to. I'm not going to sneeze if I don't have to sneeze. Wait, that makes you sneeze? Yeah. That will make me sneeze. Do it. Brandy is currently holding the bridge of her nose. She so I can't sen- do it. All. Exactly. I can't do it right now. Yeah, you can't so ever do it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. David, see me do it. I can confirm. David, for real? For real. Are you sure she doesn't just, like, have to sneeze and then she puts her hand up on the bridge of her nose and she's like, oh, I made myself do it. That I can neither confirm nor deny. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Whose side are you on? I'm a mutual party. I'm Puerto Rican. Oh, really? Uh Puerto Rican. (laughs) No, he said Puerto Rico. (laughs) Everyone pause. (laughs) Puerto Rican. I was like, no, you're not. (laughs) And uh, I'm sorry, you're impartial? Who's growing your baby right now? (laughs) <laughs> Brandy, I've got devastating no. news. <laughs> no. We wanted you to find out this way on the no. podcast. After listening to this case twice. <laughs> yeah. We're like, Kristen said like she's going to wait till enough. the end. Holy shit. You know, it's all about just making entertaining podcasts, and we figured that this would be very dramatic. Yeah, sure would be. <laughs> Okay, so Kim is like, oh, there are rumors floating around. But, you know, once the two of us talk, it'll put those rumors to rest. Uh-huh. And so she Mirandizes him. And she's like, oh, my gosh, look at that. You're left-handed. Look at that. And because what? Like he's a circus freak? <laughs> no, just like, oh, my gosh, isn't that great? <laughs> Me, too. Oh, okay. Just super cash because, you know, she's, she's trying to connect with him. No, I don't think so. What do you think she's doing? I think she's trying to give the impression that she's super stupid. Oh, okay. I mean, that's just my opinion. I think she's trying to give off the impression that she is super stupid. She's not totally informed. They asked him, remind me of your name again. They knew his name. Yeah. But they're trying to give him the impression that, like, we don't really know what's going on. Okay. So it would almost be more suspicious if you lawyered up right now, blah, blah, blah. Okay, it sounds like I'm giving a lot of compliments to these two. I want to pause and say... um, they do a great job in this interrogation, I think. And they do a great job with Janie's, like, from the moment she reports from it, I her think, ca- with her I think case. it goes great. Yeah. But, not fun fact, this was not the first report on Daniel Holtzclaw, yeah. but it was the first one that appears to have been investigated. Yeah. So that sucks. Yes. Anyway, here we go. So he waves his Miranda rights. Yeah. And the whole time, Kim's like... So you write left-handed, but you shoot right-handed. Me too! And then Rocky waltz in, and he's like, I masturbate right-handed. And Kim's like, I think I do that left-handed. What? (laughs) (laughs) You know how it is. 
<laughs> sometimes you just gotta share that information. I guess. By this point, all Daniel knows is that someone made a complaint about an officer. Okay. This person didn't know the officer's name, didn't seem to know much at all, but they were complaining about something that happened last night. So Daniel admitted that he had pulled someone over last night after he got off duty and that he hadn't called it in. Mm. You know, it was just one of those things. He'd just gotten mm-hmm. off work and he saw someone swerving mm-hmm. and he had to intervene, Brandy. Yep. You know how like when you get done with a full day of doing hair and then you go home and do more hair <laughs> just for the fun of it? <laughs> just for the fun of it. <laughs> you see someone walking around with a terrible haircut. You're yeah, like, stop. I gotta fix that. Stop. That is a hair emergency. <laughs> he pulled the woman over. Oh my God, we have to pay you for the haircut you gave. Oh, stop. Yes. Yes. I'm not concerned about it, Kristen. I'm very concerned. <laughs> you guys, should we pause? <laughs> yes, pause. Okay. Like, two weeks ago, you yeah. gave Norman a haircut. Yeah. Norman didn't pay you anything. Uh, I, it's I not do okay. not care. I care. I care. The so, poor, she whipped the poor young boy the other night when she so, found out that he hadn't paid me for the It came to me like a vision. I was... <laughs> I was out pulling weeds, and all of a sudden, it dawned on me, Norman never paid Brandy for that haircut. And I was like, dun, 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 my God. And I talked to him about it, and I talked to you about it, and you were, like, trying to cover for him. I could tell. Well, I, seriously, I thought about how I, to respond. I was like, how can I best respond to this? <laughs> that she won't get pissed at Norman, and I can express how much I do not care. Brandy. <laughs> Brandy. Anyway, (laughs) continuing. So, you know, Daniel just did the classic thing that we've all done. He gets off work and continues to work. Yeah. Um, Hey, hmm. the law never sleeps, Christian. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I'm getting that vibe from some people. (laughs) So he pulled the woman over and she was a black female. Yeah, Uh, she didn't have a valid driver's license. Um, and she had a bunch of hydrocodone in oh, her purse. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, did she? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, but it was prescribed to her. But, you know, still, that's kind of, you know, mm, people super sketch. People take that and they take some alcohol and it's just a mess. They take some alcohol? <laughs> <laughs> in pill form. That's the new way of doing alcohol. <laughs> but, you know, it looked like maybe she'd been drinking, uh, but she didn't seem to be over the legal limit. So, you know, after a while, things seemed fine, so he let her go. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, he, he really wanted to get home. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Okay. So Kim pressed him, but she stayed casual. She kind of had this vibe of, like, help me help you, buddy. Right. Kim was like, so, did she show you her titties? Did you see some titties? And he's like, no, I, I checked her waistband for weapons, but that was it. And Kim's like, well, she was kind of old. Maybe your titties were kind of saggy. Did you see the bottom of them? Oh, God. Yeah, it gets weird. And he said no. He said at most all he saw was a fat roll, which, fuck off, dude. F off, Yeah, Yeah, yeah. The detectives asked if he ever took his penis out, and he said no. 
They asked him all about what kind of supplements he takes, which I don't understand why they were so interested in that, but they talked a lot about supplements, does he use steroids, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Did they ask him if his package was had decreased in size from his steroid use? I believe he let them know that that had not happened. <laughs> Good, he just offered that information <laughs> up. You know how it is. <laughs> and they asked him if he manscapes, which is a word that I hate. You and know what's worse? What? What? Manzillion. <laughs> That's not a thing. It is. It's no. 100% a thing. No. No, Brandy. It's 100% a thing. No, it's just a Brazilian. It's a manzillion. No. Yeah. We don't, male, we don't male need... Male Brazilian wax. We don't need these different words. <laughs> like, you can just say groom in your pubes, and it can <laughs> be... Groom in your pubes! Oh, it yeah. be all-encompassing. Well, yeah, wait, wait. That's not very descriptive. We don't need gendered terms. I mean... <laughs> Brazilian, that's very description. Descriptive. <laughs> Super descriptive, yes. Manzillion, more descriptive. No, it just means like you've got a dick in the way. Yeah. Yeah. You immediately know the situation. Yeah, but if a dude comes up to you and he's like, I got a Brazilian, you would know what the situation was. All right. Yeah. I rest my case. Thank <laughs> you very much. <laughs> They often asked him how often he has sex, and he said at least once a day. At least once a day? Why? You do it more? <laughs> <laughs> I know. They were, they were kind of stunned by that, too, and he was like, uh, and then they're, they're kind of like, oh, well, maybe because of your age, but I mean. How old is he? He's like 27. Pretty frequent. I, I, yeah, that's that might be a compulsion. I know <laughs> sounds like a sex addict to me. I mean, I'm no botanist, but <laughs> <laughs> they took a DNA sample and they kept telling him that there were, had been cameras all over the place, surveillance cameras all over the place that night. So there was just a ton of footage of him, and he should just be honest. Okay, but he's a cop. He knows that's not true. Uh, yeah. I mean, anyone should know that's not true. Yeah. Because it's like, okay, then why are you, why mm-hmm. are you asking me yeah. if you have footage of it? Yeah. So obviously he didn't really mm-hmm. offer anything up. Daniel maintained that he'd done a totally normal stop. He'd seen someone swerving. He pulled her over and okay. Yeah. Yeah. She was upset. And yeah, she did start crying. Um, yeah. You know, she did ask if he was going to shoot her, which was pretty weird, but, you know, oh, well. Yeah, just completely unprompted. Mm-hmm. Well. He didn't want to lock her up, Brandy, you know, because just because she didn't have a valid driver's license. So he let her go. Dunzo. That's the end uh-huh. of the story. Okay. Okay. Also, the cops did this kind of gross thing, not kind of, super gross thing in the interrogation. Where they're like, you know, was this a consensual thing? Did she just want some? Blah, 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 blah. And, you know, the most charitable view is That's that a tactic just trying to get to, him yeah. to own up to something. But at the same time, I'm also wondering, That's how often gross. do they think that when someone brings a complaint against an officer? Yeah. That she wanted it. Yeah. That's disgusting. Yeah. So, Yeah. Uh, that's the end of the story. Then he went home to his girlfriend, Carrie Hunt. And that night, they hadn't had sex, but he did whip his dick out and kind of rub it around her vagina. And she was like, 
oh, no, I'm not interested. And he was like, okay, cool. And then he went to sleep. Okay. Just a totally normal thing. Yeah. Like a Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. But the whole time Kim was like... <laughs> <laughs> David's embarrassed. <laughs> can't even speak. He can't. He's kind of blushing. <laughs> he's going to leave. He's going to leave. He walks out of here. I had to readjust. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's real. Whenever they crack jokes, the tension between their eyes is real. <laughs> You think this is the real love right here? (laughs) So, you know, that's what happened. And the whole time, Kim is like, I just don't get it. Why would she make this up? You didn't give her a ticket. You didn't take her to jail. She's not trying to get out of something. Yeah, exactly. Why would she make this up? Why would she make it up? And why would you pull someone over when you're off duty? Mm Mm-hmm. And he's like, I saw Uh the swerving. And she was like, man, if I'm off duty and I see someone swerve, I just take off in the opposite direction. Okay, so we are nearing the end of the interrogation. And they've left him alone three times. The final time they leave him alone, Kim comes back and she's like, you made things harder for us. You lied. You didn't go home and try to have sex with your girlfriend. I just called her. And she said she was asleep when you got home. And he was like, oh, well, uh, that's not true. And Kim's like, dude, she'd know if you tried to have sex with her. Yeah. She says you didn't. She'd remember, and I'm quoting. (laughs) Do you remember this part? No. Your weenie twirling around (laughs) her (laughs) hoo-ha. And he's like, she's a deep sleeper. You know, he's just. <laughs> so she says, I'm a woman and I know what it feels like to be woke up for sex. And I don't like that. And you remember it. And I don't believe you. <gasps> At the end of the interrogation, they made him change out of his uniform and into some gym shorts and a black T-shirt, which, you know, they had to like loan to him. And he had to wear it with his boots, so he looked really fucking stupid. (laughs) (laughs) And they took his stuff and they put him on paid administrative leave. So don't worry about his financial situation. He's doing just fine. Okay, so here's why Kim and Rocky are not heroes. Yes, they appeared to believe Janie Liggins, and I think they did. Yeah. They took her seriously. They investigated her claims. But this happened to Janie in June of 2014. And a month earlier, another black woman had come forward and told the police that a police officer had forced her to perform oral sex on him. Mm -hmm. She told them the story, and it appears that they didn't do shit about it. Mm -hmm. But when Janie came forward with her report, they looked back at the old report, and they looked at where the victim said the officer sexually assaulted her. And wouldn't you fucking know that the GPS in Daniel Holtzclaw's cop car matched the victim's story perfectly. Perfectly, yeah. And oh, would you look at that? He'd run the victim's name through the system that night. But they needed more hard evidence. So they searched Daniel Holtzclaw's car, 
And it was just filled with like fast food wrappers and muscle supplements and a Justin Timberlake CD. Which so, one? I don't, I still don't know. I didn't look it up, Brady. Damn I'm it. sorry. I'm sorry. What year was it? 2014. 2014. What would that be? I don't know. What'd he do after Sexy Back? That was like 08. Sexy Back was like 05, Kristen. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize. Let's see. Justin Timberlake's discography. Uh, I was wrong. I was off 2006. Mm. Boy, aren't you humiliated? No. Uh, and then nothing till 2013. Oh, which is the 2020 experience, so that's probably what it was. Okay. I'm glad we got to the bottom uh, of that. Yes. I think I feel, a lot of I listeners. I feel much better. Yeah. <laughs> you were starting to get really bummed out. This is starting what? to get really yes. bad. But now, now you're good. <laughs> He also had a pair of brass knuckles, which doesn't seem like something you should have. Yeah, probably not. But anyway. I mean, I, don't look at me like that. I don't have brass knuckles. <laughs> yeah. What if I just had not... brass knuckles on right now? <laughs> I would be so intrigued if you came over and you had on brass knuckles. Well, yeah. That'd be fucking weird, Kristen. <laughs> I'd be like, is Brandy getting paranoid now with the baby? <laughs> my mind told me my dad made me wear it because I was coming into your neighborhood. Okay, that would be the most believable thing. Yeah, your dad buys you brass knuckles because you're going to Kansas City, Missouri <laughs> late at night. <laughs> Do you want to tell him what happened the last time we did an After Dark episode? Oh my gosh. My dad. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. So, I saw my dad a couple days later, and he was like, hey, there was a shooting at blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. Thank you for not revealing my address. How, how close is that to, to Kristen and Norm's house? And I was like, it's pretty close. Mm-hmm. And like, it's, you guys, it's, it's very, very close. close. <laughs> He's like, this was a triple shooting. Like, that makes it worse. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, <laughs> it's pretty close. Yeah. And he's like, huh. Well, it was on Thursday, and you guys you guys record on Wednesdays, so it was fine. And I was like, oh, yeah, we recorded on Thursday this week. And he was like, well, it was at night, so. <laughs> and you had to be like. I was like, yeah, we recorded at night. <laughs> he was very alarmed, like I had. Like, I had been right there at the shooting you're gonna and be, survived with my life. You're going to be in an episode of I Survived. <laughs> One time I left Johnson County, Kansas to go to Kansas City, Missouri. <laughs> and I lived to tell the tale. So all this stuff in Daniel Holtzclaw's car wasn't damning. But they tested his uniform and found DNA on the inside of his pants. Yeah. It did not belong to him. And it didn't belong to his girlfriend. Excellent. It also didn't belong to Janie. At this point... Great. Yeah, yeah. If yeah. only they'd gotten a heads up about this no um, sometime oh, earlier. weird, they did. Mm-hmm. So at this point, coupled with the fact that this was not the first complaint mm-hmm. against him... They began going through lists of every black woman that he ran through the system in the previous six months. And they went door to door to talk to those women. And sure enough, they found more women with stories that were just as horrifying as Janie's. Also, I'm wondering, why did they stop at six months? I'm sure it was just like, well, that's just it. Like, 
Because you know... You know this didn't start six months ago. Right. Right. It's about to get real bad. Yeah. And that's the story of D'Angelo. <laughs> oh, God. What I wouldn't give to just be like, and we're done. <laughs> so they're hearing these stories. They're taking DNA samples from the women. But none of the women were a DNA match to Daniel's pants. Mm-hmm. The inside of the zipper area of Daniel's pants. Right. Right. Yeah. It's not like he had it like on the cuff. cuff. Yeah. No. Yeah. They talked to woman after woman after woman and collected sample after sample until they finally hit a match. The DNA from the inside fly of Daniel Holtzclaw's police uniform came from a 17-year-old girl. So, two months after he was interrogated on August 21st, 2014, Daniel Holtzclaw was arrested in the parking lot of his gym. It's my sister Jennifer's birthday. Very good. (laughs) 13 victims had all come forward, and they'd agreed Uh. to testify at trial. Yeah. Thirteen agreed to testify. Exactly. I think that's like a fraction of how many. Yeah, people say thirteen victims. No, thirteen who agreed to testify. I don't believe for a second that they found every single woman. Not a chance in hell. Hmm. There's not a chance in hell that they all agreed to do that. Like you know, so many of them were like, "I'm not getting. I survived this. I'm not talking about it again. I'm not." And if he's going after vulnerable black women he knows what he's doing exactly he's going after women who don't want to deal with the cops for certain yes and we'll we'll learn more about how he selected people but yeah here we go okay as the prosecution would later point out all of the victims had been specifically selected by daniel holtzclaw because with the exception of janie liggins The women Daniel Holtzclaw chose to attack all had histories that would make them very unlikely to come forward and report a sexual assault, and even more unlikely to be believed if they chose to come forward. That's the part that sucks to me. Uh Because, yeah, it's hard enough to report, but if you know you're not going to be taken seriously, Mm -hmm. why bother? Some of the women had a history of drug use, Some had warrants up for their arrest, and some had worked as sex workers. And they were all black women accusing a police officer. The odds were stacked against them. But the evidence was stacked against that douche canoe, Daniel Holtzclaw. Yeah. He was eventually charged with 36 counts of sex abuse. He was charged with everything from first-degree rape to second-degree rape, Forcible oral sodomy, stalking, sexual battery, and procuring lewd exhibition. What's that mean? Procuring lewd exhibition means forcing means, them to expose yeah, themselves? Yeah. Them? Okay. Daniel's family was shocked. And frankly, pretty mad. Because he'd been falsely accused, Brandy. Don't uh-huh, make that face. Uh-huh. And his sister, Jenny, started selling shirts that said, free the claw. Oh. Who the fuck would wear that? Not me. Uh, no. Wouldn't it be easier to believe that, though, then? Oh, yeah, you you can't believe this about your own family member. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I guess you could. It would just be really hard. It would be very difficult. 
It would also be really hard to ask people to wear a fucking shirt that says free the claw, though. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yes. They hired a private investigator named Brian Bates. Brian Bates was well known in the area. He has this thing called John TV where he gets these drones and flies them out to get footage of sex workers and their Johns. And then he confronts them Chris Hansen style in the middle of the act. Oh, no, Brandy, not because he's a freaking weirdo. Yeah, it sounds like a kink to me. Yeah, not because he's like masturbating furiously yeah. as the drone flies. No, it's yeah. all because he, he wants to stop this crime. Yeah. So he got interviewed for this 2020 piece. And obviously part of his job was to dig into the victims and he discovered some stuff that oh my personally i think falls into the no shit category what do you, what do you got well that the vast majority of daniel holt's clause accusers had a checkered past yep some and of them used drugs some of them had been sex workers yep therefore we need to take a closer look at their motives for coming forward no. which well here's the thing i can understand if someone has a checkered past you might want to have to, you know, double check, triple check, do whatever. But you don't just not. <laughs> None of that is by accident. That is exactly. why they were selected as victims. Yes. Yes. And think of what that would mean if you're deciding, oh, if you've been a sex worker or if you are a sex worker, you can't be raped. Yeah. That's not true. That's not true. Oh, you've suffered with addiction. Can't be raped. Yeah, can't no. be believed. Yeah, no. Daniel's family took the position that he was being railroaded by the police department. Okay. Because, you know, it's super common for one cop to do something really bad and all the other cops stand up and say, no, you shouldn't do that. Yeah. (laughs) And that the detectives had planted those stories in these victims' heads and that the victims had sketchy reasons for coming forward. Hmm. Okay. What? Here's what I know, because this is the second time I've heard this case. <laughs> okay. Their stories are all the same. Yeah. Like, not, like, coached the same. Mm-hmm. Like, they all went through almost the exact same experience, but tell it their own way. Mm-hmm. It's very Harvey Weinstein. It's very Bill Cosby. Yes. Like, there are, there are certain key elements. Yes. Yeah. Daniel Holtzclaw, of course, pled not guilty. Mm, did he? Well, he was a football hero, okay? Oh, I forgot. Yeah. You seem kind of upset with him, so let me remind you. <laughs> yeah. He was quite good at football. His trial began on November 2nd, 2015. Oh. Mm. Mm. In front of an all... It's Kristen's birthday. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> in front of an all-white jury. Cool. Yeah. Eight men, four women. Excellent. The racial makeup of the jury was a huge concern for anyone who gives two shits about justice. Yeah. Because the only black people were the 13 women. How did the prosecution not fight harder for... I'm... So... And I did not write this down. Everybody drink! Drink! I think there had only been 24 black people in that pool. Mm -hmm. And I think that's easy to weed out. That would be my guess. Yeah. But this was only about a year after the Ferguson riots, which took place after. And tell me if this sounds a little familiar. 
after a white police officer named Darren Wilson shot an unarmed black teenager named Michael Brown six yep. times. And a grand jury didn't indict Darren Wilson. So the Black Lives Matter movement was very active. And so even though there were no people of color on that jury, a ton of people showed up outside the courthouse and shouted, we believe you, we believe you, we believe you, as the trial went underway. Wow. The trial lasted for six weeks. In his opening statement, Assistant District Attorney Galand Geiger took more than half an hour just reading all of the counts against Daniel Holtzclaw. Then he gave an overview of all of the women's stories. He told them that the GPS in Daniel's patrol car would corroborate all of the women's testimony. Plus, they had DNA. But in his opening statement, defense attorney Scott Adams, not the Dilbert guy, Brandy, I know what you're thinking. Super disappointed. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Was like, hey, 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 easy on the DNA stuff. What? Obviously, he got that girl's DNA on his hands during the search, then transferred, Brandy, don't make that face, then transferred it to the inside of his flight during a restroom break. Duh. Okay. Totally innocent. Yep. Plus, these women were all sketch balls. Mm-hmm. He didn't use that word, but you know, yeah. you get the vibe. Paraphrasing. <laughs> they had criminal records. They had drug use. Over the next five weeks, the prosecution presented its case. And most of it was spent with the testimony of the 13 accusers. And it was rough. Some of them had to testify in prison jumpsuits. Uh-huh. One woman showed up high on PCP. I... I don't blame her at all. No. She's there doing the hardest thing she's ever probably had to do. She's having to face the person mm-hmm. who attacked her. She's having to in sit front of in an front all-white jury. Of a jury. She's having to sit in front of a, a courtroom full of people who she likely thinks will not believe her. Yep. And she's obviously had, uh, you know, trouble with addiction. Yeah. So, yeah, you fall back on yeah. what gives you comfort. Yeah. All of this was, of course, great for the defense. I'm going to briefly present what each woman said. Um, and here we go. I'm sorry. Yeah. Guys, I barely made it through this last time. <laughs> I know. This, this is rough, guys. <sighs> One woman said that she was high on PCP, having a super strong reaction when some officers saw her and called an ambulance. She was taken to the hospital, where she was handcuffed to the hospital bed and left alone with Daniel Holtzclaw. Cool. She says he groped her and forced her to perform oral sex and told her not to move too much because he didn't want her heart monitor to go off. Yeah, because then someone would come in. Mm-hmm. And at one point, he laughed at her and said, Ha ha, you've never sucked a white dick before. At some point, a nurse came in and asked some standard questions. The nurse asked if she'd been sexually assaulted in the past 24 hours. And the woman said no. Because Because what could she say? She was right there. He was right there. She can't be like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right over there, that guy. She said he told her he'd made some tickets go away and that he'd gotten her bond super fucking cheap. Two weeks later... He sent her a friend request on Facebook. Fuck that guy. Yep. 
Not knowing what to do, she accepted it. And then he gave her his number and kept telling her to call him. And then he showed up outside her house asking for sex. And she was like, I'm home with my kids. I've got my brother's kids here. I can't do this. And he was like, could you just bend over real quick? Oh, my. Oh. Yeah. When asked why she didn't tell the police, she said, because I didn't think that no one would believe me. I feel like all police will work together. And I was scared. Of course. Of course that's what she would think. I want to say one quick thing about accepting the friend request. Yeah. Because I feel like there might be people out there who are like, well, why'd she do that? Okay, go back and listen to our episode on Lamonte McIntyre. That was about police corruption and a police officer who was doing this exact same thing. And Lamonte McIntyre's mom didn't want to play that game, and he found a way to get back at her. So I think it makes perfect sense that you have to figure out, like, okay. I'll just do what he wants. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how do I survive? Yep. Another woman testified that she was sitting in a car one night with her two daughters and a friend and that two police cars showed up. Her daughters went inside and her friend was questioned by one of the officers. She was questioned by Daniel. And under the guise of doing a search, he made her show him her breasts and he groped her. A month later, she pulled up to her house and saw Daniel sitting there on her front porch. And she's like, why are you here? You're scaring my daughter. Mm -hmm. And he said, have you taken care of your tickets yet? And she said, I knew what I had to do to get out. I didn't have money to pay my tickets, and I knew what I had to do with him to get out of that car. Oh, God. So she showed him her breasts again. When asked why she never called the police, she said, I didn't think anyone would believe the allegations that I was making. Yeah, he's the police. Yep. Yep. Another woman testified that in March of 2014, she'd been walking alone at night when he stopped her. It was the same story, different day. He made her expose herself to him. And she never told the police because, quote, I didn't think anything would be done. I mean, it was nobody there but just me and him. So to me, I just took it as my word against his. So I just blew it off as best as I could and just walked away from it. Yep. I think that's completely believable. I know. I do, too. I do, too. Who will people believe? It's better for me to just try to get over this on my own. Yeah. Another woman testified that she was walking home one night when Daniel stopped her, and she had a crack pipe on her, and she had outstanding warrants. She says that Daniel crushed her crack pipe, told her to take care of her warrants, and groped her. Another woman testified that in April of 2014, she had been drinking in a car across from a family dollar when Daniel Holtzclaw approached her. And again, it's the creepy search. He told her he was going to take her somewhere to detox, and she asked if she could park her car at a relative's house so it wouldn't be towed. And he said, sure. So she parked the car, and Daniel put her in the backseat of his patrol car and drove off and raped her near a bus lot. She says she didn't come forward because of shame. She'd been raped before, and she didn't want to face it, and she's an alcoholic, and she'd been trying to quit, and she didn't want her family to know that she had relapsed. It's terrible. Another woman testified about another incident from April of 2014. 
She said she'd been walking alone at night, and she was high on crack cocaine, and he offered to give her a ride home. And she accepted. So they got to where she was staying, and he followed her into the house. So at this point, she knows something's up. She's got a gut feeling something's wrong. Mm -hmm. But she thought that maybe he was just trying to confirm that she actually lived where she said she lived. So she's kind of showing him around. And when she showed him her room, he raped her and forced her to perform oral sex. And he said to her, this is, you know, better than the county. Another woman testified about an incident from May of 2014. She said she was leaving an apartment complex and had a crack pipe on her. And it's the same familiar, gross story. He forced her to expose herself. He exposed himself, forced her to perform oral sex. Mm -hmm. Then he let her go. But first he asked her where she was going. And she said she was going to her uncle's house. And he was like, oh, that's not safe. Let me give you a ride. Oh, yeah. Oh, the irony. Yeah. That's not safe. That's not safe. Yeah. Someone might attack you. Mm-hmm. So she got in the car and he drove her to an open field and she freaked the fuck out. And he's like, oh, calm down, calm down, calm down. And I think it freaked him out enough that he drove away and took her back to where she asked. Mm-hmm. This is the woman who reported that she'd been sexually assaulted. Mm-hmm by a police officer before Janie Liggins. Here's how I know that these are not all of the women that he sexually assaulted. How? Because look how close together they all are. Mm -hmm. Look at the frequency with which he was doing it. He didn't start out that frequent. No. He started out, let me, I'm going to... Do this Try once. This. Yep. See how. See if anybody like. If I hear anything, let's mm-hmm. see uh, how much time goes by. And then mm-hmm. he gets more comfortable with it. More comfortable with it. More yep. comfortable with it. So that he's doing it constantly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I bet he doesn't even remember how many times I'm he did this. Guarantee he doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. And I wouldn't be so sure that it started when he was a police officer. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So, apparently the story is that this woman and her ex-boyfriend got into an argument and someone called the cops. And while the cops were there, her ex was like, hey, you should tell them what happened to you. And she did. And again, it doesn't appear that they did anything with that information. Mm -hmm. Which, how fucking hard would that have been to just, like, run it through the system? Like, see if she'd been, you know, see what officer has picked her up recently. And then talk to him. Yep. Another woman testified about yet another incident from May of 2014. She said she was out walking when Daniel approached her in his cop car. And he started questioning her. And she didn't have any warrants, but she had been drinking that day. So she was nervous. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I'm either taking you to detox or jail. And she was like, well, can I just go home? And he said, sure, he'd take her home. But of course, instead... He took her to a remote area and told her that she really had two choices. He said, you're going to give me head and sex or you're going to jail. Cool. So, yeah, we can all guess what happened next. Yeah. But like a lot of the other women who testified, this wasn't the last time she saw him 
popping his creepy little head up in her neighborhood. At one point when she was out walking with her friend and there were a bunch of other people out, he pulled up in his patrol car and was like, did you ever tell anybody what I, about what happened? And she was like, yes, I did. And then he sped off like a scared little bitch. <laughs> Don't you kind of love that? I mean, I know yeah. there are very few bright points in there this story. There are very few bright But I love story. the thought of him being scared. Yeah. Because that's... That's what he, he did to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's he, what he did to these women. He made them scared. Yep. And nothing made him crap his pants more than knowing that word was getting out. Yeah. When asked, she was like, oh, I told the whole neighborhood, just not the police. Mm -hmm. Which makes total sense. You've got this guy. He's out targeting people in your neighborhood. So, yeah, you tell the other women. Yes. Another woman testified that in May of 2014, close to midnight, she was out walking alone and Daniel Holtzclaw stopped her. And she had outstanding warrants and she'd recently been released from prison. And once again, he exposed himself, forced her to expose herself, forced her to perform oral sex, and then he drove her to an abandoned school and raped her. Another woman testified about another incident from May of 2014. God, I don't even know what number we're on right now. This is sickening. Where she was out walking, and he put her in the back of his car and asked her a bunch of questions, and it was all pretty fucking weird, but nothing really happened. Okay, this is the one... Where, like, she was in the back of the car, and she had her purse, and it kind of spilled out, and she knew she had, like, 55 bucks on Uh her. So, when things are, you know, all resolved, she gets out of the car, but she sees a $20 bill in the back of the cop car. Mm -hmm. And she's like, that's my money. And he was like, no, that's my money. And she was like, no, no, that's my money. So, they kind of argue back and forth a little bit. But then she checks... So that's okay. Give him the benefit of the doubt. She checks her purse and finds, oh, there's my $55. And so she hands it back to him. She's like, okay, I'm sorry. You're right. This isn't mine. And he was like, yeah, I put it back there. What the fuck? Yeah. So that happened. But again, nothing like traumatizing, I guess. Yeah. But, but very fucking weird. Yeah. Then a few weeks later at like 2 a.m., she was out walking home from a friend's house and Daniel spotted her. And he stopped her and groped her. Mm -hmm. When he let her go, she immediately called her roommate and started leaving a message telling him exactly what had just happened to Mm -hmm. her. And all of a sudden, fucking Daniel Holtzclaw shows up again. And he's like, "Um, you have a warrant you need to take care of. And then he drove off. Oh, my God. Being a fucking creep. Yeah. Like, it's not enough to assault somebody. I'm going to show up. So she seriously considered calling the police, but ultimately she was like, who are they going to believe? Yeah. And she decided to just leave it alone and pray she never saw him again. Another woman testified that in June of 2014, she was out walking and she was on the phone with her boyfriend when Daniel showed up and told her to hang up the phone. So she did. And he offered her a ride home and she said no. But he insisted he wanted to take her home. But instead, he took her to an abandoned school where he raped her and forced her to perform oral sex. Afterward, he said he wanted to see her the next day. Like, let's go have dinner and a movie? Mm. 
I think, you know, it's just him being a creep again. I mean, yep. what the fuck? Yep. She was terrified. Her boyfriend told her to call the police, but she was scared to do that, too. Obviously. So she eventually told her probation officer what happened after she saw Daniel Holtzclaw, the mm-hmm. case on the news. Mm-hmm. So initially, they didn't, they didn't find as many victims, but more came forward. Yeah. So we've already heard Janie Ligon's story, so that means there's just one left to tell. Mm-hmm. This one also comes from June of 2014. This is the 17-year-old girl whose DNA, DNA was found. Was found. She testified that he raped her on the front porch of her mom's house. And afterward, he said, I might be back to see you later. Oh, my gosh. She said she didn't tell anybody because, quote, I was afraid of what could happen to me if I did snitch or if people around my neighborhood thought I was snitching or talking to the police. On cross-examination, the defense did their best to point out the fact that most of these women weren't perfect witnesses. You know, if there is a thing. There isn't a thing. They were questioned about their past and about their drug use and their records. Mm -hmm. And they were also questioned about whether they had the right guy. Mm -hmm. Because, and this, you know, because one of the women, when she was first brought in to tell her story, initially denied that anything had happened to her. Which I think is pretty fucking normal for victims of sex crimes. Another one of the women couldn't pick Daniel out of a lineup. Another woman gave a terrible description of Daniel Holtzclaw. So Daniel Holtzclaw is 6'2". He's 260 pounds. He's huge. His dad's white. His mom is Japanese. But when the woman described the man who attacked her, she said he was black, muscular, and short. Okay. Mm -hmm. Here's my take on that. Okay. A couple of things. This happened, like, all of these happened at night. Right. Right. In dark areas. Mm-hmm. Also, I have had to give a description of someone to the police before. Yeah. <gasps> and it is impossible to do, I am telling you. Tell the whole story. Okay. Because I, so I think it's important. Years ago, I was home. It was, like, the middle... It was the middle of the afternoon Mm -hmm. and someone walked into my garage while I was sitting in the house. Like there's like an external door and the alarm chimed the door had opened. And so I was like, well, that's super fucking weird. So I got up and I went to the garage. I opened the door from my house into the garage and there was a man standing in my garage. Mm -hmm. Um, And I did not handle it. I asked him if he needed anything, and he said no. May I get you a beverage? <laughs> and then he left. <laughs> that's your shock talking, though. I mean, I know we, I know we laugh about this, but yes. like, that's... I didn't, I didn't know how to handle it. So yeah. anyway, so later I called the police to report that this happened. The police came, and they asked me to give a description of this guy. I have no fucking clue if I was even close with the description. Yeah. Because thinking back on it, like, he was... It was... The the more I thought about it, the scarier the situation got. Mm-hmm. So the scarier the person got to mm-hmm. me. Yeah, I have no idea how accurate, like how to accurately guess someone's height from across or their weight. Yes. I mean, how do you? No idea. So I believe that it is possible that there's. I believe there's a couple of things possible here. Mm-hmm. I believe we've got multiple bad cops possibly uh, that's what doing this. Yeah. That's one possibility. Or she just misremembered it and gave the best description that she could. I also think in a situation like this, where you're like, this man has a gun. Yeah. 
He could shoot me. I'm not going to look that closely at him. I'm not going to look him in the eye. I know that I could give a yeah. description of him. Yeah, I'm not going to be obviously studying his yes. face or looking at his badge number. Yeah. I would be really interested to know the man who came into my garage, mm-hmm. like to actually see him. Yes. And know how close my description was to him. Because I bet it's nowhere near. Sir, if you're listening to the podcast, <laughs> <laughs> his name was Jason. <laughs> And it's okay, guys. He had the wrong house. (laughs) (laughs) Was that what he said? Yes. What did he say? I said, so when I opened my door and he was standing in my garage, I said, can I help you? Mm Mm-hmm. And he said, I'm Jason. Oh, he identified himself. Yeah. And I said, "Okay." okay. And then he said, I think I have the wrong house. And I said, I think you do. And then he left. That's weird. Yeah, it was very weird. I guess it's not really weird. He was clearly trying to rob you, but you know. And anyway. I, he didn't think anybody was home because he tried the front door first. That's how. <gasps> oh. That's how. Why I thought the situation was so weird. I so initially someone oh, that's tried so to. Oh, so scary. Yeah, someone tried to open the front door and it was locked. And then I watched the shadow walk across the windows because you know oh how my, my, God. my living yeah. room is like across the windows and then across the side windows and then the door to the garage opened oh my god i would have crapped my pants i did not i just opened the door and confronted this man and asked him if he needed anything what should you have done then? i don't i should have called the police yeah right but, but i mean in that moment yeah i don't know See, this is why this is what, why yeah. I hate when people. The police told me that I handled the situation wrong. Okay, and yeah, that you that I, should have just like gone out the front door, probably. Probably, yeah. And I, I did, I did do one thing really wrong. Is I waited a long time to call the police. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, I get that. I just think. I hate it when people are like, this is how to handle this situation. Yeah. And it's like, you don't know until you're in it. Yeah. 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 And who's to say that you really handled it the wrong way? Because it sounds like you were pretty polite but firm. Yeah. And maybe that's what was necessary. Yeah, I don't know. Well, sir, go ahead and give it another try. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see. <laughs> no, don't you creep. Don't do it. Yeah. Okay. Janie Liggins was the first woman I talked about. She described him as a bodybuilder, but initially thought he had blonde hair. Mm-hmm. She said she didn't get a great look at his face because she was so focused on the gun. Mm-hmm. But interestingly, she did get a good look at his squad car, which sounds like it wouldn't be helpful at all. But she said it was all black, which was unusual because most were black and white. Daniel Holtzclaw was one of very few officers who had an all-black car. They were in, like, a transition mode. Yeah. But clearly, there were some issues with some of the women's description of the man who attacked them. But even though not all of the victims gave accurate physical descriptions, they did all state where they'd been assaulted. And the GPS in Daniel's cop car matched their stories every single time. Uh Uh-huh. And of course, you know, the defense was like, hey, all that proves is that they were together, which Daniel has never denied. Yeah. It does not prove that he assaulted them. Yep. The prosecution's final witness was a DNA expert who testified about the 17-year-old woman's DNA being on the inside and outside of Daniel's zipper area. Mm-hmm. Then it was the defense's turn to take over. They called just one witness... 
<laughs> Daniel's Ugh. Daniel's now ex-girlfriend, Carrie Hunt. She testified that he was a great guy. Mm, did she? He hey. with all that wiener swamp swirling <laughs> she would remember <laughs> if his weenie twirled around her hoo-ha <laughs> yeah so he just loved the bible just read oh, a ton yeah. of scripture okay. yeah mm-hmm. okay by the way he had the world's worst tattoo i hate to tell you but i will tell you he had like an old-timey scroll uh-huh. that was super douchey it looked like it had been very tattered because oh, you know it's so old yeah and it had a Bible verse on it that said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Cool. Which, what the fuck? How are you a serial rapist who has that scripture no tattooed shit. on you? And Carrie testified that it was totally possible that on the night he allegedly attacked Janie Liggins, that he'd come home and tried to have sex with her while she was asleep. That happened all the time, and it was possible that she didn't remember anything because she'd been on sleeping pills. Mm-hmm. And he never did anything that made her uncomfortable sexually. Mm. The defense asked her what kind of underwear Daniel usually wore when they dated. And she told them that he wore compression shorts under his uniform. And the defense was like, my, 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 my. You mean the type that doesn't have an opening in the front? That's not even a good point, because there are compression shorts that have the opening in the front. Wow, look at you, expert. One semester of men's underwear. That's right. (laughs) So, the whole... My fiancé calls himself dong outlines. (laughs) (laughs) That's a secret in our Discord, Brandy. How dare you? No, so... The reason they brought that up was that I believe most of the women, if not all, had said that he kept his pants on during the during yeah. the attacks okay. to keep his gun on. Great. And so he just like unzipped and then pulled yeah, his... You could still, even without a flappy, you could unzip... That's what I'm saying. It, like lower those compression. I don't think that proves anything. Yeah, if you're a fucking rapist, I don't think like a little bit of fabric is really going to no. stop you. No. Oh, I was gonna rape somebody, but I just can't oh, possibly pull down the waistband of my gun. <laughs> yeah, no. Interestingly, Daniel was pretty unemotional the whole trial, but he broke down during Carrie's testimony. Oh, did he? And he needed a tissue. Yes, mm. Brandy. Okay, so I'm not a Carrie fan. Brandy knows this already. I'm I'm actually doing a much nicer job than I did the first you time. You are. So I will pat you myself on the back. You have called her by your nickname that you gave her. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I haven't said that. Not once. Um, I'm okay. You know what? Before you guys judge me too much, I'm going to read a quote from the 2020 episode. It's terrible. Here we go. Why would he do it with these people, you know? If he wanted to go out and sleep around with people, he could just find people on the north side or people where he's from. It just doesn't make sense. That's disgusting. Well, and let me help you out, dumb-dumb. Translation. (laughs) Translation. He could fuck white people. Yeah, and um, it's... That's not how rape That's works. That's not how rape works. <laughs> rape is not about having sex. Yeah. Rape is not about like, 
who is most attractive? Oh my gosh, I must have them now. No. No, it's about power and control. Yes. God, what an idiot. Anyway, she's a bodybuilder mm-hmm. and she has <laughs> no, no, no. You guys, um, I'm trying to hold myself together here. I'm just really not a fan of this quote, really not a fan of the attitude. So we had our editor, Patty, you know, cut some stuff because I'm being rude. But anyway, the jury deliberated for four days, which was a record for that courthouse. Initially, many of the jurors didn't believe the women. They didn't like the women's histories. But when they came out of deliberation, they found Daniel Holtzclaw guilty on 18 counts and not guilty on 18 counts. Wow. They didn't believe five of the women, but the remaining eight were believed. Mm -hmm. And he was sentenced to 263 years. And he had the best reaction. He, oh, I just, I. You can picture it? Oh my gosh, I can picture it so clearly. Yeah. He bawled like a baby. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Yeah. The sentencing took place on his 29th birthday. And so outside of the courtroom, some women who'd gathered to support the survivors sarcastically sang happy birthday. (laughs) And Daniel did sob, Brandy, which is rude that you're so (laughs) thrilled. And he looked at the jury and mouthed, how could you do this? Gross. Yep. So here's the kicker. The judge could have allowed him to serve concurrent time for each conviction, which would have meant that he could spend more like 30 years in prison. But the judge was like, "Mm, nah, let's do each conviction consecutively. You are truly going away for 263 years? Holy shit. But obviously, and I don't have to tell you this, uh, the judge and jury got it all wrong. Daniel says that he was railroaded by the police because they didn't want another Ferguson. Okay. Which is obviously true because we've not had anything like that since. (laughs) Because police are so afraid of looking bad. Daniel said that, of course, these women accused him because when police asked them if he'd done anything to them, the women were basically being handed a winning lottery ticket. And if they took the stand and said all this stuff, then they'd cash it in and become billionaires. Um, Don't make that face. How, we all know. that? Well, you know how, like... Obviously, being raped is terrible, but the silver lining is that you become a billionaire afterwards. Right. That's how it works. Uh, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. So the, his thing is like, oh, they saw this as their opportunity to sue and make tons and tons. I mean, billions. 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 Uh-huh. Okay. Naturally, Daniel's attorney appealed on the grounds that the circus atmosphere had deprived Daniel of a fair trial and that his trial attorney had failed to present expert testimony pertaining to the DNA, and that the allegations from all of the victims shouldn't have been joined together in one trial. Okay. Okay, so I want to say the quick thing about the DNA. What could his attorney have said other than what was said during opening arguments of like, oh, it was transferred transferred. during a search? Yeah. You don't want to bring your own DNA person on. You're just going to bury yourself even more. 
the Court of Appeals ruling was unanimous. They were like, nice try, dude. The appeal had made a big deal about the circus atmosphere and how the jury couldn't have possibly remained impartial. Yeah. But but Judge Dana Kuhn, who wrote the opinion, was like, look, man, they didn't convict you on half of the charges. Clearly, they were pretty impartial. Mm -hmm. Then Judge David Lewis wrote a very spicy concurring opinion where he referred to Daniel as a sexual predator, and Daniel's family did not appreciate it one bit. He is a sexual predator. Yeah. But they didn't want to hear that. Okay. Free the claw. Yeah. Which, okay, we were all worried about the all-white jury in this, but I think it helps in the appeals process. does help in the appeals yes, process. Yes, because it's like, dude. You got the jury of your dreams. Yes. You could not have gotten a better yeah. jury for you. Yep. All-white, eight men? Yep. Come on. But don't worry, Daniel was super innocent and apparently had a pretty well-funded defense because he decided to take his case all the way to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court was like, ew, no, get out of here, man. (laughs) Here's something gross. The whole case has been fucking gross. Okay, yeah, I'm sorry. Well, here's an extra gross thing. (laughs) Michelle Malkin, who's a conservative columnist and Holocaust denier Uh, and BFF to white nationalists, super cool, big fan, uh has come out saying that Daniel is innocent and apparently has released a film about the case. Okay. Yeah. Here's some... I didn't need to hear anything else after Holocaust denier. Like... (laughs) Okay. You think that's the kind of thing that you're like, and we're good. And I get yeah. you. I get the point. Get the vibe just yeah, fine. Picking it up. Here's something that hurts my heart. At some point, Kathleen Zellner, who I fucking loved in Making a Murder, and also she represented Ryan Ferguson in yeah. his appeals. I mean, literally loved, loved mm, Ryan Ferguson. Little case you ever going to do, Kristen? It's yours. You do it. I'll do it. Oh, will you? Yeah, fuck yeah. I'll you do got it. the nuts? Okay, I then got do the it. nuts. Then do it. All right. All right. Officially calling dibs. Okay. 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 So she's been awesome, but apparently she began representing Daniel Holtzclaw in a fuck. bunch of civil cases, claiming he's 100% innocent. And I didn't write this down, but I was so disturbed. I saw a tweet from her about him. Talking about the victims, saying that they were like a gang of dr- mentally ill drug abusers. It was gross. Oh my god! It gosh. was not cool. Um, wow. So she dropped Daniel Holtzclaw because of her heavy caseload in 2019. But I'm wondering if it was just a bad look. Yeah. To have him I as a client it seems like a very bad look. But I can see how you could make a lot of money on an appeal because. You know, all the victims. I don't know. That is... That's very disappointing. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, no, it can't be true. It can't be true. (laughs) Clickety-clackety. Is that you you using your Google machine? Yeah, that's me (laughs) on my Google machine. (laughs) Several of the women who came forward banded together and filed a civil suit against Daniel Holtzclaw and the city of Oklahoma City, claiming that the police could and should have stopped him sooner, which, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but 
that was several years ago, and I can't find anything about how it ended, so we know what that means. Yeah. It was probably settled. And they're all probably billionaires, right? Obviously. I mean, obviously that's how it works. Exactly how it works. I do want to say something really quick, just because I feel like I haven't hit it hard enough, that obviously, like, Janie Liggins was the turning point in this whole case. He, He had this M.O., and he broke it. He... He picked Janie Liggins, and she was just driving through an area of town. She didn't live there. She had no criminal record. Mm -hmm. She didn't have a history of drug abuse. And so when she came forward, she was believed. Luckily, she was believed. Thank God for her. Thank God for her courage. Yeah. If only they'd believed the first woman who came forward. But anyway, okay, I'm, I'm trying to... Move along here. So I wanted to end with an excerpt from a fantastic article written in Cosmopolitan by Treva Lindsay. Mm -hmm. She talked a lot about how this trial didn't get enough coverage in the mainstream media and that police brutality is a massive systemic problem that terrorizes people of color. This is kind of long, but it's really good, so I'm going to read it. Yeah. Sexual violence as a form of police brutality is woefully understudied and is one of the many ways black women and girls experience state violence. Most people do not know that there are currently 64,000 black women missing in the United States. Many people are unaware that of at least 21 trans women killed thus far this year, 16 were black women. The majority of us do not know that in addition to Sandra Bland, Five other black women died in police custody in the month of July alone. Whereas violence against women nationally and globally is painfully ubiquitous, the piercing media silence around violence against black women in the U.S. is particularly reprehensible. Then there's a little part more. Mainstream media failed these women. The lack of coverage thwarted a national conversation about sexual violence as a distinct form of police brutality. The stories of these women need to serve as an important intervention in conversations about anti-black state violence, rape culture, and the vulnerability of sex workers, ex-offenders, and current and recovering drug addicts to state and state-sanctioned violence. Wow. Oh, and that, for the second time, is the horrible story about Daniel Holtzclaw. I hated it. You don't want one of those Free the Claw shirts? I sure don't. Okay, well. Thank you for asking, though. Good. I'm sure there's plenty available. I doubt they sold out. I doubt they sold out, yeah. Oh. I gotta grab some water. Okay. Oh, my God, I'm so excited for your case. It's so much lighter, fluffier. Thank thank God I switched it up. No kidding. Imagine following that up with a family annihilator. I mean, it seems very on brand for you, but okay. <laughs> Can we, like, shake it out? Do you remember, like... Yeah, yeah. Let's, was know, it like, in fifth grade where we had the teacher who would occasionally let us just stand yeah. up and shake it out? Okay. Oof. My boobies are jiggling. <laughs> well, sometimes you got to state the obvious. <laughs> All right, let's lighten this up a, a wee bit. Okay. Charles Manson was... <laughs> <laughs> That would be so mean. That would be... Oh, my God. What would be more fucked up than if you came in today with a worst case? Like... Oh, man. That would be terrible. 
Don't make that face. I know oh, you didn't. I didn't. Don't You're worry. way too pregnant to be taking on extra work. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Today I had to rest and ice my ankles. <laughs> um, okay. Shout outs to my stepdad, Steve. He is really he, helping us out lately. He Man, this case to me. He knew three details, but it was enough for me uh-huh. to be able to get on my Google machine and figure it out. Did and you have one of those cork boards with like this the string? string? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. And then to Nick Craven for the Daily Mail. Most of this comes from his article. I'm craving a Daily Mail. <laughs> 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 now David's embarrassed for you. <laughs> David, which joke was worse? Yeah, whose joke was worse? Bodybuilding from the pregnant woman or I'm craving a Daily, Daily Mail. Mail. Oh, sorry. Oh, oh man. He, he pointed man. to Kristen. That's No, he pointed to Brandy, and he's no, he sorry. Didn't. But he didn't. He's really sorry. Okay. Kristen. Yes. Prior to this week, when you <laughs> already heard this case, <laughs> had you ever heard of a website called <laughs> Money Supermarket? Yeah, of course. Com? I went there all the time. No. <laughs> I'm not allowed to change my answer. No. <laughs> <laughs> it is oh, a I British know. What website. Is it? It's a British website, so I would guess you're not familiar with it. Uh-huh. It seems like a pretty cool service. This is not an ad, by the way. <laughs> they are not sponsoring this. I do not have a promo code at mm-hmm. this time. Mm-hmm. Money Supermarket is a cost comparison website for like a whole host of services, including insurance, energy, like think electric versus gas, credit card and loan interest rates, internet and cell phone providers and even Brandy, travel this sounds costs. exactly like our Gabby ads. <laughs> it really does. You guys, I think you should just go to this site and type in LGTC. See what if happens? it, yeah, you might get 10% off. <laughs> so the service is free mm-hmm. and the site even offers free credit monitoring. But this story yes. is not about moneysupermarket.com. I had a feeling it wasn't. It's about its co-founder. Richard Mason. Richard, as I just mentioned one sentence prior to this, <laughs> co-founded this website. <laughs> Hold on, slow down. You're going too fast, just breezing through the info. And this is one of England's first cost comparison websites. And he co-founded it with this friend from university. This friend of his was like an accounting dropout. And his name was Simon Nixon, which doesn't fucking matter. But I liked his name because it sounds very British. Okay. okay. <laughs> By 2007. Was the, Richard a chef? No. Oh, okay. Oh, right. He co-founded this website. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck? I can't tell you. You're so confused. No way was, did I mention that he was a chef at all. I'm sorry. You mentioned several times <laughs> he co-founded that website. By 2007, the company's stock had shot up like almost overnight. Like just all of a sudden the website was doing great, took off. And Richard's share in the company was suddenly worth upwards of 10 million pounds or $14 million. 12.7 oh, million. Damn it. Dollars. Oh, I finally remembered it. I was going to be really impressed. I, well, I was going to be impressed. Okay. It was like Richard was set for life now. His hard work had paid off. And things were good for a few years. Mm -hmm. By 2016, though, Richard was dealing with a whole different set of stressors in his life than running a multi-million dollar business. He was sick. 
really sick, and he had been for quite some time. By this time, Richard was like in his mid fifties, like think like fifty five ish. Mm-hmm. If you are wondering where mid fifties is, <laughs> thank you. I'm not good with the numbers. You're welcome. And he was dealing with chronic lung issues. Doctors thought his lung issues were pleurisy, which pleurisy, I had never heard of before, but according to the Mayo Clinic is a condition in which the pleura, which are two large thin layers of tissue that separate your lungs from your chest wall. So those layers become inflamed and they like rub against each other, Uh which can cause chest pain, especially when breathing. So all the time, all the time, and does it really say especially? When but I pulled that directly from the Mayo Clinic. Yes. Okay, Mayo Clinic. I mean, I'm sorry. You feel fine when you're not breathing. As soon as you start breathing, well, you can't really complain then. You know, just stop yes. breathing. Can also cause shortness of breath, and in extreme cases, fluid can actually build up between the two layers of tissue, which actually can alleviate some of the symptoms, but because that causes Mm -hmm. the layers to not be able to rub against each other anymore, but it's actually really dangerous because that fluid can then become infected. It's bad all the way around. Yeah. So one day in 2016, Richard Mason and his wife, Emma, traveled to Liverpool's Heart and Chest Hospital. This was like a 65-mile trip from their home in North Wales. But they thought it would be kind of a routine thing. He'd been seeing a lot of doctors for his pleurisy, and they had been treating it with some pretty intensive antibiotics. He thought he was going to get his antibiotics adjusted that day, kind of do some testing, see if he was improving, whatever. Mm -hmm. But this appointment turned out to be anything but routine. Richard and Emma were pulled into a consultant's office, which if you've ever been through serious medical situations, you know, is never a good sign. Mm. The consultant let the couple know that doctors had looked over Richard's chart. Richard's chart. They looked over the chart and they were like, this is disgusting. (laughs) They looked over Richard's charts. (laughs) They're like, get it together, man. What adult shirts? <laughs> anyway, they looked over his charts as it turns out. <laughs> and his test results. And they believed that his original diagnosis of pleurisy was incorrect. They now believed that he was actually suffering from cystic fibrosis. Hmm. According to the Mayo Clinic, again... Cystic fibrosis is an inherited disorder that causes severe damage to the lungs, digestive system, and other organ systems. It affects the cells that produce mucus. So in an unaffected person, your cells that produce mucus secrete a fluid that's like thin and slippery, which works like as a lubricant. Right. But in a patient with cystic fibrosis, those secretions become thick and sticky So instead of acting as a lubricant, they clog tubes and ducts and passageways, specifically in the lungs and commonly the pancreas. Yeah. Symptoms of cystic fibrosis include a persistent phlegmy cough, wheezing, and chronic lung infections. Cystic fibrosis currently has no known cure, and the typical life expectancy of someone with it is somewhere between 42 and 50 years. Wow. Which, by this time... We know 
He's in his mid mid fifties, which is you which is, brilliantly pointed out could be fifty five ish. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so that I will point out <laughs> is beyond forty to fifty. Thank you. Uh huh. Richard was stunned by this diagnosis. He told the consultant that it must be wrong. So it wasn't that this diagnosis came out of nowhere. Richard actually had a sister that had died of cystic fibrosis. He had another sister that was very ill with chronic lung infections, which they believed to be caused by cystic fibrosis. But Richard had been genetically tested in the 80s, and his tests had all come back negative. But the doctors were like, that screening must have been faulty. We're sure that this is what you have. All signs point to cystic fibrosis. Richard was obviously crushed. He was already in his mid-50s, as we pointed out multiple (laughs) times now, which was past the maximum life expectancy. He was living on borrowed time. Yeah. But just when Richard thought he couldn't get any lower, another bomb was dropped on him. The doctors informed Richard that one of the symptoms of cystic fibrosis in men is infertility. Like something like 98 to 99% of cystic fibrosis patients who are male are born without the vas deferens. So that's like that little tube that, you know, what? What does connects it do, the testes to the penis, and that's where the sperm comes out. <laughs> you look horrified. <laughs> I feel like David just learned something, really. I feel like I'm in sex ed in high school. Um, and then the other 1% to 2% typically do not produce sperm properly because of the... Well, that's judgy. Because of the mucus issues. Okay. What that meant for Richard was that he would never be able to have children and had likely been infertile since birth. The doctors told him that between all of the doctors at this lung hospital, this is a Mm -hmm. a specialty hospital, between all of the doctors there and all of their years of experience, not a single one of them had ever seen a male cystic fibrosis patient successfully father a child. Holy shit. Richard sat in stunned silence. He was confused. He was in denial. They had to be wrong. He pleaded with the doctors to do more tests, but they assured him that they were certain. And again, Richard argued that they must be wrong. There was that genetic testing that he'd done. And then there was that little tidbit about how he'd already fathered Mm -hmm. three sons with his ex-wife. Yeah. He had a 21-year-old son and... 19-year-old twin boys. Medical miracles, all of them. In what I can only imagine had to be one of the most awkward conversations of their lives, the doctors told Richard it might be time to look into the paternity of his sons. That's so... Because they were certain they were not his. What, What do you got, Kristen? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I was about to have a really bad take, so I take it back before I even say it. I'm just thinking it would be tempting for a doctor to be like, I'm sure they're yours. Okay, bye. <laughs> you know? Hey, man, you take it from here. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, well, you know how I feel about this. Yeah. Once, 
you fathered them for their whole lives. They're yeah, they're. I mean, one's an adult. Yeah, the other two are practically adults. Yeah, you can't th- you can't throw in the towel right now. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. But let's find out what happens. Let's see what Richard does. <laughs> <laughs> We're so good at cliffhangers. <laughs> Richard left the office that day just kind of in a haze. He went and sat in his car. He thought about all of the things that he was just told. And he decided that he was going to text his ex-wife. So his ex-wife was Kate. They had married in 1987. They'd been married for 20 years. They divorced in 2007. Tell me more. Just, you know, like right after Richard's website took off. And he made all of his money. (laughs) What's her name? Kate? Kate. Good job, Kate. Good job, Kate. (laughs) Kate Kate held on there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So in like the beginning of 2007, the marriage was was real rocky. By the end of that year, they'd separated. And by the following year, 2008, their divorce was finalized. So they had been together, though, for 20 years, which means Kate was entitled to... A big old chunk. Yeah. Yeah. Of Richard's money. Um, I wouldn't even call it Richard's money. No, you're right. I wouldn't. You're right. Because when one person starts a business. Yeah. It takes a ton of support from, from the, the other person. Yeah. Absolutely. Especially if there, ch- there are children involved. When someone starts a new career. Like, yeah. yes. Yes. Anything. Anything. Absolutely. So that's their money. Yes. So their divorce was, I think, pretty nasty at one point. Finally, it resulted in a settlement where Richard paid Kate a lump sum of four million pounds, which is sorry. I knew I had it what somewhere happened? here. I lost. I, I lost my uh, conversion. Yes, which is roughly the equivalent of five point one million dollars. And then in addition to that, he had to pay monthly maintenance and child support um, in the amount of 3,000 pounds, which is about $3,800 a month. This money was like prepayment for the kids, private schooling and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. But now, what if those kids were never his? No, man, don't do this. (laughs) Don't do this. He was paying all that money, gave her that big chunk of money for nothing, for kids that weren't even his, Kristen. I just, I don't understand how a person could do this. I, and it's not that I'm without sympathy, because this would be terrible. It would be devastating. It would be absolutely devastating. devastating. But if you've raised those boys from their birth... Yeah. So now they're 19 and 21 years old. And you know you're going to die any minute. They're like, your why fucking you... kids, dude. Yeah. yeah. You yes. know that death is around the corner and you want to start up this nasty battle. Yeah. And cut your kids off. I don't get it. I don't either. But uh, that's exactly what Richard wanted to do. <laughs> I'm only going to throw this in here because every article mentions it. By the time that this happened, Kate was living very comfortably in a one million pound seven bedroom house in Staffordshire. And she had a Range Rover and a C-Class Mercedes. Good for her. Right? I think it's so stupid when articles throw this stuff in. We're like, (laughs) you're supposed to judge her. 
She got five million yeah. pounds. In her. Like, of course she's living well. Yes. You know what would be? Sh- you know what they should put in? Right. Is if she's at the trailer park. Yeah. Then that is noteworthy. Yes. But if we're talking about a multimillionaire who's living well, yeah. Color me not shocked. Exactly. So, Richard, so this biz- bitch was just rich, this huh? Bitch was just rich. That's exactly right. So Richard leaves the hospital that day. He goes to his car and he immediately composes a text to his ex-wife, Kate. He says, Hi, I went to the Liverpool Chest Hospital today to finally receive my diagnosis that I have cystic fibrosis. In their experience, they've never had a male with cystic fibrosis who has fathered a child, let alone three. They went on to say that it's at least 98% certain that I am not the father of any children. I was hoping that you could relieve me of the further indignity of more testing. So side note here, the more testing that they wanted him to undergo Mm -hmm. was like a sperm sample analysis and an ultrasound of his ball sack. Okay. So he's saying, please keep me from having to do that and just let me know now if I am not the father. How does the ultrasound of the ball sack work? I don't know. Seems like a breeze compared to what we have to go through. Yeah, I mean, nothing's inserted into the body. Right. I'm I'm sorry, I'm just getting a little jealous. (laughs) (laughs) And she replied pretty quickly, and she said, In spite of what you think, I am very sorry that you have been caused such an emotional upheaval. Of course the boys are yours, no matter what the science might suggest. What do you think she means by that? Do you think she means like, I think there's a two, like the two, obviously the 2%, you're in the 2%, you're the father? Or do you think it? she's saying, it doesn't matter, you've raised them since they were born, of course you're their father? The last one. Yeah, I think that's what she means too. But then again, we know this story quite we well. Know this story. <laughs> Richard didn't like this response though. Yeah. So he took it a step further. Because I'm just going to go ahead and say it. <laughs> because I think it becomes pretty clear here by the end. I think he's a douche. <laughs> yeah. It is weird. I wonder, I've been wondering, like, how many people are listening to this right now? Obviously, they don't know how it ends. And, and they're just like, my God, they're being really hard on this poor guy who got the terrible medical diagnosis. Uh, yeah. I think he's pretty douchey. Um, that's my own opinion. <laughs> So when he doesn't like his ex-wife's response, he texts his 21-year-old son. No. And he said that he'd just been diagnosed with cystic fibrosis. And he said his son responded pretty well to that. And then he followed up with saying, one of the things that I've been told is that it is extremely unlikely that someone with cystic fibrosis no, no. could father a child. Shut up, That's dude. what he says to his son. In a text. Yeah. Can't even do this face to face. Yeah. And the son said back something to the effect of, so you're saying you're probably not my father. Mm-hmm. And he says, well, I'm your dad, obviously, but I don't think I conceived you. So at this point, the son, the 21-year-old son, decides to confront his mom. Right. And upon that confrontation, Kate calls Richard. And she said, 
okay, you're right. I had an affair mm-hmm. on and off for about four to five years from like 1995 to 1999. Okay. Which might have been when our children were born. But, you know, we we only had sex six to 12 times. No. (laughs) No. (laughs) No. You're having an affair wrong, ma'am. If I may offer a critique. That's not how affairs go. (laughs) We only had sex six to 12 times. And we use condoms every time. So it's not possible that he's the father. Mm-hmm. So Richard and Kate had met working at this same bank at some point. Right. Um, and this man that she admits to having this affair with um, worked at that same bank as well. And they would meet in London, f- you know, whenever they were like on business trips or well, something like that. clearly not that often. Well, six, six to, to 12, 12 times. times. <laughs> <laughs> Richard was devastated. Mm-hmm. But things started to kind of, like, line up in his brain. He remembered that when the kids were born, despite the fact that neither Kate nor Richard were Jewish, (laughs) Kate had been adamant that all three of the boys had Jewish middle names. Uh Uh-huh. He thought, well, that's kind of odd, but that must be a, must be a, maybe that's a clue Uh to who the real biological father is. But this kind of sent Richard on a spiral. He, you know, on a spiral, down a spiral, up a spiral, through a spiral. (laughs) Got caught in a spiral. He was somewhere in a spiral. (laughs) And he said, I didn't know what was real and what wasn't. Mm -hmm. It was as if I was living in the Matrix. It was as if I was living in the Matrix. I don't know why I paused before I put that X on the end there. Sounded like you added some K's, too. I don't know what I did. Someone says to you, all that you know and everything you thought to be solid and true is not real and never did exist. You are not a father. You're not able to have kids. Your name will not continue. Okay. The love is still there. Yeah. The love is there. You are still a father. Yes. To those boys. It's a choice to cut that off. Yeah. And it'd be a terrible choice to do that. Well, um, Richard just kind of fucking doubled down on that. (laughs) He looked himself right in that mirror and he said, let's Let's go to court. When he did that, his oldest son begged him not to. Of course. Said, Dad, if you do this, if you sue my mother, yeah, I won't speak to you anymore. And Richard said, well, I'm not your dad, so I guess I'm going to go ahead and do that. <laughs> and so he did. He hired a lawyer. Damn. And they sued Kate on a couple of different grounds. First, for paternity fraud. Because he'd been led to believe... All of that time, he'd been lied to and used and made to believe that he had fathered children that weren't his. And he believed that Kate knew it the whole time. Paternity fraud. Paternity fraud. I feel like I've covered a case similar to this. These things never work out well. Yeah. He also wanted their entire divorce settlement set aside and re-examined. Because if that money in that settlement was intended to pay for those children. Those children weren't his. 
Mm-hmm. And that money should be paid by their biological father, not him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I see the point. I see the point. Yeah. But I think it's a really fucking weird choice. I agree. Yeah, I think it's a really fucking weird choice. His attorney said something to the effect of, we understand that this is a legal first and that there's never been a divorce finance settlement that's been set aside under such circumstances. Um, So they wanted the whole thing examined. And what Richard really wanted was the name of the biological father entered officially into the court record. Why? Um, Because if you you believe him, Mm -hmm. it's because he believed that this man likely had no idea these children existed and that he deserved to know that and that the boys deserved to know who their biological father was. This is not the motive that his sons believe, though. Okay. They believe that he did this purely to embarrass their mother, to humiliate her. Yeah. Ultimately, this didn't go to court because Kate settled. Mm Mm-hmm. Likely in an attempt to keep from having to go through all of this. Yeah, this embarrassing Yeah. As this proceeded through the court system before the settlement, they did officially do a paternity test with the sample from the twins. The oldest son refused to give a sample, Mm -hmm. but it was determined by the paternity test with the twins that Richard was not their father. Yeah. Richard settled with Kate for 250,000 pounds, which is roughly $319,000. So this wasn't about money. It was never about money. No. Would you like to know more about what it was really about, Kristen? Yes, I would. So the oldest son spoke out after all of this and said that Richard was extremely manipulative and had been for years. Mm-hmm. And that it had been years since they'd had any kind of real relationship with him. Mm-hmm. His motive was purely to embarrass their mother. Since I presented this case to you the first time, I actually uh-huh. found another article on this Seriously? where he responds to that. Oh my God, in the press. Uh huh. Cool, dude. This is what he says. The boys have heard their mother lie over years and years, whether about the affair or their paternity, and I wanted to give them a better role model. That's why I came forward. Oh, come on, dude. They're very clever boys, and because of the way I brought them up to do the right thing, I hoped they, now grown men, would understand that I needed to take that decision. So he was doing this for his boy's sake. Yeah. Kristen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's obvious. Obviously. One of the twins spoke and said, yeah, this whole thing, like, it didn't hurt me. He hadn't been my dad for years. I felt nothing. I haven't even asked my mom who our real dad is. I'm sure she'd tell me, but I don't want to know. Wow. I Now, I can't understand that. I don't understand that either. Except that if you felt like you'd been so hurt by the man that you thought was your yeah. dad that you're like, well, I'm not even going to work. Like, I I don't even want a father figure. Uh-huh. Yeah. I will say, though, hearing this, it makes a lot more sense as to why he was able to be like, 
I'm not a father. This is yeah. all done. Because he probably didn't love them. Yeah. He finished this um, this interview mm-hmm. with, I believe it was with, either with the Daily Mail or the Mirror, with a heartfelt plea. Okay. Kristen. Oh, my God. No. He said, boys, I haven't done anything wrong at all. I love you, and my door is always open. I've got the kettle waiting to go on. A six-pack of beer. Just come round and you'll get the biggest hug ever. Mm-mm. Let's have a cry. Let's just hug. Let's just get back to where we were before. Which was estranged. And just have a word with your mom. Tell her to stop being so daft. Oh. One last fun fact about Richard here. Okay. He's offered a $5,000 reward. <laughs> No. For anybody with information that leads to the biological father coming out publicly. Good grief, dude. So, yeah, I stand by my statement that I think this guy's a douche. Ugh. Yeah, a super douche. I mean, he got a terrible diagnosis. Absolutely. Absolutely. But this is what he did after that? Yeah. What a choice. Seriously. What a choice. What a choice. Super dad. Thanks, I hate it. Dad of the year. Yeah, yeah. So we talked about this in our first taping, that probably the reason Kate settled so low, well, he settled so low. He settled so low. Would be that, you know, when you look at all the common law stuff, and I don't know, I don't know how this would play out in a court right now, but like, a child that is born in wedlock in is, wedlock is yes, legally presumed yes. to be that of the husband. Yes. The paternity laws typically would say that, yes, if a, if a couple is married and a child is born in that marriage, that that man is legally the father. Yeah. Whether biologically that holds up or not. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. That was that was a good case. I feel terrible for those kids. I like, do too. I mean, he's made this huge, big public thing about this, and they weren't even like in his life. It just seems like he wanted the spotlight. Yeah, and he, he wanted to embarrass his ex-wife. Yeah, yeah. What a dick! I think it didn't have anything to do with money. No, no. Or he wouldn't have settled for such a low amount. Yeah. Ugh. <sighs> Should we take some questions from our Discord? Let's do it. Brandy, would you like to tell them how to get into the Discord? Um, well, sure I would. <laughs> All you have to do is join our Patreon at the $5 level or higher. That's patreon.com slash LGTC podcast. <laughs> I don't know. Question mark. <laughs> I believe it's LG. Use your podcast. Google machines. We know you can do it. <laughs> and then you get to join in. Like we have a, I don't know. There's a crap ton of people in here. Always just chatting away. <laughs> just a we crap a, ton. We have a good time in here. <laughs> I Nemo wants to know, do we have a baby yet? <laughs> no. She's still inside here. She hasn't made an appearance yet. I'm ready for her to come out. You know, I have it on good authority that it, she's not coming out till July. <laughs> Bite your tongue. Do you want to tell them what my that's dad your, said? That's what your damn dad said. Oh, my damn dad. Your Brand. damn dad. 
So we were on, tri- we did trivia this week, and we were all asking Brandy. We won, yeah. by the way. Oh, I wasn't even going to mention. I'd- uh, you don't, you, that's how little you care. Kristen, we were in the quarterfinals, or uh-huh. the semifinals. I don't know what fucking finals they were. Three, it was down to three teams. Top team moves on to the finals. We won. We're in the finals. I'm just excited because we get to play together. <laughs> And maybe it would make a difference to me if, like, I actually contributed in some way. You do. Not uh, really. Hello, what question did we get right because of you? Oh, my gosh. Okay. You guys. There was a question this week about a white supremacist serial killer who attempted to assassinate a someone. A public figure, yeah. And I was like, Larry Flint! Yeah, it was Larry Flint. And we would none of us would have known it without you doing that case. I guess I'm amazing. You are. Thank anyway, you. Anyway, tell him what your dad said. Oh, yeah. So my dad was like, that baby's not coming till July. And everyone was like, no, why would you say that? And my dad, you know. With his vast knowledge. I, you can't, I'm sorry, I can't even continue speaking. You're just looking at me like I'm, I'm the one who said it. I'm very upset. You will not be waiting till July. I will not. <laughs> uh-oh, uh-oh. Nini the child wants to know, Brandy, I'm planning on cutting my own bangs. Oh, my God. And I have no experience, but darn it, I'm bored. Any tips other than don't do it? Don't do it. I'm. Oh my. Yes. Don't do it. If I can't talk you out of it, okay. Don't cut horizontally. Cut vertically. vertically. <laughs> cut into the bangs. That way, you're not creating any harsh lines. Easier grow out process, and you're less likely to end up with you know bangs in the middle of your forehead. Listen, I know that I wasn't the one asked, but I have cut my my own bangs many times <laughs> in my life. None of them have turned out well. <laughs> Ooh, Sarah Kaya Combson wants to know, Brandy, since we know Kristen's law story, what happened to criminal justice for you? I hated college. (laughs) (laughs) I loved criminal justice classes, but you have to take 8 million other gen ed requirements, and I hated it. Hated it. I'm still so shocked about that. Why? Um, Because you seem like the type of person who would love college to me. No. Ugh. Okay. Ugh. English comp? No, thank you. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Courtney wants to know, what was the dumbest thing you guys have fought about? Have we had a... I'm sure we've had a really dumb thing that we've fought about. I'm sure. I mean, probably you being really dumb about something. Probably. Probably like that time you were super dumb about something. No, I can't think of anything. But I it, know. I'm sure we've had a dumb, a dumb fight. Yeah. Oh God. Chicken Tendy wants to know, Kristen, if you had to be pregnant, nine months, morning sickness, baby belly, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the pregnancy, you got a full published book. Would you do it? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, but only because that's that would be like cheating. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And sounds awful. <laughs> <laughs> it's only been awful like the last. You've been you've been like having trouble getting around and like yeah. yeah. Turns out that I have this whole thing that I didn't even know was a thing. It's, it's called a baby. Well, yeah, I have that. <laughs> no, so I've talked about it before on here that I'm having like trouble like walking upstairs and stuff like that. Yeah, and so I was like looking into it more. It's actually a thing. Not everybody's pregnancy is like that. It's called pelvic girdle dysfunction, and like my body is 
not reacting to the spreading of the pelvis properly. And so it's it's extremely painful. I, did, I just thought it was like a normal pregnancy thing. Yeah, you're like, well, this is the sucky so, part. Yeah, so yeah. there's like the most common problems that people have with it are walking up and down stairs. Yeah. Check. Yeah. That's super painful for me. Standing on one leg, which you don't think about doing very often, but every morning when you get dressed and you put your pants on. Oh, yeah. Putting pants on is so painful. Oh, my gosh. And then getting in and out of a car. Yeah. Because you have to, like, they recommend if you have this to, like, pivot first and then get out. Don't, like, separate your legs. And then rolling over in bed. Like, I literally can't roll over in bed. I have to, like, get up out of bed, like, turn around and get back in the other direction. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay, when you put on pants, now do you just, like, lay back on the bed? So, yeah, I tried that yesterday. It's not a whole lot better. David helped me put my pants on today. (laughs) He's been very good to me. (laughs) Well, you know, you could have Winnie the Pooh'd it today. There would have been no judgment here. Oh, Pamela says, what's something that shouldn't annoy you but does? Oh, so many things. So many things. I don't like um, when people pop their knuckles. Oh, well, yeah. Nobody likes that. Very annoying. Nobody likes that. <laughs> really? Nobody likes that. I don't think it bothers people. As I don't think anybody's like, oh, I wish I could really hear somebody popping their knuckles right now. Yeah. But I don't think it bothers people as much as it bothers me. Like, it really bothers me. Okay, well, you're very special. I mean, there's no <laughs> denying that. <laughs> no, I don't know that I... I mean... I get annoyed by so many things. People don't stop at crosswalks. You know, I go batshit. Yeah. Yeah. I know. When people don't pay for haircuts. <laughs> <laughs> David's got one, and I do it, and it drives him crazy. What is it? What do you do? The microwave. Tell people about the microwave. <gasps> do you leave oh, the... leaving time on yeah, the microwave. Yeah, no. Not okay. <laughs> not okay. I agree, David. It drives him crazy. Yeah. Yeah, you want to know what time it is, you look... <laughs> 30? Or if I go to put something in the microwave, uh-huh. I got to clear and then pick my time. It's yeah. unnecessary. Yeah. Who raised you, ma'am? <laughs> oh, Carbon Pancake wants to know, what is the biggest unforeseen challenge of starting the podcast? Okay. I think our biggest challenge that we did not consider uh-huh. was how different volume levels that we speak at like how much of a problem that would cause yeah yeah that's true yeah that was our biggest hurdle uh-huh i agree I was figuring out how to adjust for that and figure that out i you know the thing that's tripping me up about this question is unforeseen because i feel like mm, probably should have foreseen it and maybe See, we did. i didn't think about that being an issue at all because you just you know you fix that in editing right yeah you know what you're right <laughs> Initially, I did think, well, yeah. there's magic that happens yeah. in editing. And it's like, no, there's stuff that can happen. Happened, but like, but <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't have a team of wizards. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was thinking um, we were so impatient oh, for yeah. so long. Well, and we're still impatient. But yeah. like for so long, we just wanted people to listen. And for yeah. so long, nobody, nobody did. did. <laughs> And, you know, especially, like, obviously, if you have tons of money, yeah, you oh, can, yeah. you know, buy yourself a sponsorship. You can buy, not buy yourself a sponsorship, but, like, buy you a mention do. on another yes. podcast. You can buy ratings and reviews. <clears throat> yeah. uh, but everybody does that, apparently. <laughs> except for us. For us. <laughs> Bunch of dummies over here. <laughs> Had no idea people were doing that. 
but no, yeah, like I remember Norman had to coach us big yeah. time and just be like, "Look, it's just, the snowball effect. You just, you just keep doing it. You keep doing you what you're doing. Keep showing up. You keep doing the work, and eventually yeah. it'll." And there catch is on. something to be said about how for how good it feels now that like yes. we have a really great following. It's the show's gotten much bigger, and we didn't cut any corners. We didn't cheat, like. Well, it's kind of the question of, do you want to be born into millions or work for it? And I don't, I don't care either way. <laughs> <laughs> Amanda Hischler. Oh, well said. Um, it's H-S-H-L-D-R. Look, you know I couldn't do any better. <laughs> it says, what weird nesting things have you found yourself doing while waiting for London's arrival? I dusted the walls in my house. <laughs> Dusted the walls. Yes. What? Yeah, I felt like they were dusty. <laughs> and it turns out I was right. <laughs> really? Yes. I took one of those Swiffer duster things, just went, why does your face look like that? David, went, David, went, speak up. I went balls to the wall. I did every wall in the house. And man, Disgusting? It, there was dust everywhere. Uh-huh. Much like blood. <laughs> <laughs> it looks so much better. David, I would like for you to speak up now. I know. Why are you making a that look on, look your, on face. your face? No. What? No, what? What? Did you, did you know that Swiffer extended? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so I used... She's over here telling the story like she did it all by herself. <gasps> oh. He did help me when I couldn't oh. reach areas. Hmm. Well, because I was using the little... The little Swiffer duster. Uh-huh. And we have, like, a giant one. Right. And I was like, eh, I don't need that. I did need it. Uh-huh. David got it. So it was more of a me. team effort, Brandy? It was. Mm-hmm. It was. Wow. Wow. I'm glad you were here to set the record <laughs> straight. i was here, too. Yeah, she was really going to take all the glory <laughs> on I'd that I'd have been story. pissed when I heard this uh-huh. episode. Uh-huh. <laughs> that had been a midday phone call. <laughs> Brandon Lewis wants to know, Kristen, are you so tired of Brandy getting all the attention lately? God. Yes. yes my God. Yeah. I'm so, tired of it. Brandy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm excited. <laughs> oh, God. What? This isn't a question, but there's a little side combo going on here between she persisted and Tiffanized, and they think we should do a bonus video with karaoke. Oh, God. No, we should not. I don't think you want that, guys. No. <laughs> Be careful what you wish yes. for, guys. You don't want that. Dirty slut goblin. I have the perfect answer with this. Okay, I do it. I've been preparing for this. She says, if you had to rap one song perfectly to win a million dollars, which song would you choose? Yeah. I would rap Antelope by Dirty Heads. Mm-hmm. I know every word to it. Mm-hmm. I used to do it as like a warm up to record the podcast. I was literally just <laughs> thinking about this the other day. Because do you remember you actually did it on the podcast? Yes. Once. And like it didn't make it to final edit. Yeah. I say that like I wasn't the one editing. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Yeah. I could do it and I'd win a million dollars. Bonus episode. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> People are very worried that Norman is dead. I know. Should we call him up here and get him to, to chat in? Oh my quick? God, my dad. <laughs> yes. Did you see what your dad did? Yes. Okay. So everyone's like, is Norman dead? When will we get proof that Norman is alive? And my dad is in the chat and he's saying, I'm not sure Norman is alive. It's been several weeks since I've seen him. 
Oh my god, should we uh, call him up? Yeah, call him up here. We need him to make an appearance. Oh, um, well, he's just busy right oh, now. Wait, is that him in the backyard? <laughs> hey, Norm. Yes. Oh, who could oh, it be? Come in, talk he to lives. Him. Hello. Oh, Norm. Oh, People are convinced that you're dead, and, and DP is in here in the Discord. Just. He said it's been several weeks since, since he's, he's seen you. <laughs> Reports of my death have been greatly exaggerated. Oh, little Mark Twain. I feel like I saw DP the other day. Yeah, he's full of shit. Yeah, yeah. he is. Okay, so just to clear up the rumors, you're not mm-hmm. dead and buried in the backyard. Correct. You are not locked in the basement? No. Not at this current moment? Nope. Mm, no. uh, you guys are not having marital troubles? Nope. Oh. <laughs> not that I know of. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> when are we going to get you back in like the editing seat, yeah. sir? When you going to Yeah. When are you going to stop being too good for us? I don't know. I've been really busy with oh. uh oh, actually I just got accepted into grad school too, <laughs> oh, so my schedule's so pretty full. Uh-huh. Um guys, he really did get accepted into grad school. It's very amazing. And Congratulations, so Norm. Thank you. <laughs> He's getting his masters in public history. Mhm. <laughs> You're so modest. You won't even talk about it. I've I've just been busy with video stuff. That's why I haven't been on the podcast. Mm -hmm. That's all. Mm -hmm. So I've been paying David to sit in for me. (laughs) Hello, that's me. (laughs) Thanks for making an appearance, Norm. Sure. I am alive and well. Clearing up the rumors. Yep. I've been taking care of my wife. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, you have. Nurse been, Nurse Norman. Been digging in my backyard. Okay, well that makes well, it that sound makes like. It sound. <laughs> <laughs> One of the I just, rumors was that you were buried in the backyard. And Norm. I just got a huge life insurance policy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys are worried about Norm. You should be worried about me. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Bye, Norm. <laughs> How did I do on my Norman impression? <laughs> I was impressed. <laughs> that was eerie. Because I killed him weeks ago. I know. Should we move on to Supreme Court inductions? Fuck yes. Oh, <laughs> the enthusiasm. Kristen, how do people get in the Supreme Court? First, you go to patreon.com <laughs> slash LGTC. Oh, oh my God. Podcast. I just looked it up. It is officially patreon.com slash LGTC podcast. <laughs> okay, let's take that again. <laughs> Hey gang, I'm here to tell you how to get into the Supreme Court. The hard way is to go to law school. The easy way is to sign up on our Patreon at the $7 level. This week, we are reading your names and your favorite books for the second time. But you don't know that, but you do because we've talked about it constantly. Okay, here we go. Ashley Pinkerton. Women's Club Series by James Patterson. Steffi Marie. Glenn Sheen's Daughter. Nikki Hollenbeck. Pride and Prejudice. Eliane Steffen. The Good Daughter. Jennifer Edwards. Good Omens. Alicia Lee. Illusions by Richard Bach. Tiana Chambers. Aw, my favorite book is any book written by Kristen. That's oh my god, it's so cute. <gasps> oh wow. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> I know it is really cute. <laughs> 
Tatiana. She's making fun of you and me. <laughs> Amy Johnson, thank you for the help with Amy. <laughs> <laughs> the Island by Ellen Hildebrand. Trista Brown. Any James Patterson book. Catherine Paroli. Catcher in the Rye. Sonia Boyle. Or Sonia Boyle. So- see, Sonia, 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 you probably should have helped us. Ooh. I'm sorry if I mispronounced it. Sonia Boyle. Sonia Boyle. (laughs) Take your pick. Wait Till Helen Comes by Mary Downing Hahn. Victoria Dolphin. Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Kelly Myers. The Scarlet Pimpernel by Baroness Orsizi. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Supreme Court! Thank you guys for all of your support. We appreciate it so much. If you're looking for other ways to support us, please find us on social media. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on Reddit. We're on Patreon. Join us all those places. And then uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. Then head on over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. And then be sure to join us next week. When we'll be experts on two whole new topics. Podcast adjourned. And now for a note about our process. I read a bunch of stuff, then regurgitate it all back up in my very limited vocabulary. And I copy and paste from the best sources on the web, and sometimes Wikipedia. So we owe a huge thank you to the real experts. For this episode, I got my info from the 2020 episode, What the Dashcam Never Saw, Jessica Testa's BuzzFeed article, The 13 Women Who Accused a Cop of Sexual Assault in Their Own Words, articles from the Oklahoman, the Washington Post, and Wikipedia. I got my info from the Daily Mail, the Telegraph, the Mirror, and the Sun. For a full list of our sources, visit lgtcpodcast.com. Any errors are, of course, ours, but please don't take our word for it. Go read their stuff. <laughs>